Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. March has arrived and the Suns remain a mystery. Last night's win over the Rockets changes nothing. This is still a team that can't stay healthy, a team that spent three days practicing fourth quarter offense and still couldn't close out a game, a team that cannot prevent those five to six minutes where they seem to lose their focus and their grip. Now, throughout this erratic, sometimes frustrating season, I have taken solace in the fact that Devin Booker and Kevin Durant have not lost faith publicly. There have been no cracks in their public facade that would make you believe this team has no chance. But after Thursday's game, kind of felt like Frank Vogel was reaching a bit, stretching to find a silver lining, and I get it. It's getting late, and this team needs something they know will be there every night, including Bradley Beal and Eric Gordon. Now, who would ever thought in their wildest dreams that Yusuf Nurkic and Grayson Allen would be bigger fan favorites than Beal and Gordon, who I thought were their two most important off-season additions. Either way, like I said, it's going to get late very soon, and I have one hope entering this weekend of basketball. For the Suns to treat the Rockets like the lesser team they are, and then get the Valley buzzing. I mean really buzzing with a transcendent performance against Oklahoma City on Sunday, if that's not too much to ask. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Uh, I was shooting a lot from deep. I, mean, I hit a lot of threes in the first quarter, just the same shots that I missed the other game. You know, I just I stick with it. Um, I mean, I don't know what, what my percentages are at, but better in league average, so I'm going to keep going. To your point, Bick, uh, and that's Devin Booker talking about what happened in the first quarter last night, and he happened in the first quarter. 20 points, finished with 35, was 4 of 4 from three-point range. Um, it looked like the Suns were going to do exactly what you're still urging them to do against Houston, mm. and that is to treat them like the lesser team, mm-hmm. to... Uh, exert their their superiority over the Houston Rockets. It didn't happen over the last three quarters of that basketball game and it's I mean that there was a lot of similarities between last night's game and Friday night in Houston last yeah, week. Too many other uh, than the outcome other like than you the said outcome. earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and this is and again it, it's I was expecting more I, what they came out in the first quarter and that was exactly what I wanted to see a team that was out for a little retribution a team that was like you ain't doing this to again young fellas. Mm-hmm. And then the and and then the Rockets just kept coming at them and then the Suns just kind of you know Played a lackluster second half offensively, and 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 they got the victory, which is fine. And and I I set the bar for that. Win these two games against the Rockets, and then we'll press go, and we'll all hope for the best. But. I, I, for Frank Vogel after the game to come out and say, listen, when, we, when you play in our building, you're going to get just crazy-ass defense, and you're going to get a t- team that shoots the ball really, really well. That's not really been the case. No. And, and as I said, you know this better than anybody. you got the best seat in the house. The season ticket holders I talk to, there's two common refrains I hear from them. Number one, way too loud. I've, I still hear that. The Steve Kerr, get off my lawn, the lawn bit. And number two, the vibe just isn't the same. And and the latter part, I can understand because we're all waiting for this team to be the team we all want them to be. And it's maybe not their fault that they're not meeting our expectations, but that's the way this stuff works. We were promised a super team. Matt Ishbia said they were the best roster in the NBA. 
Yeah. Now the roster is not whole, and again, no. I'm not going well, to dwell on that, but we'll get back into it. But let's get into it now. Okay. So, the, so the Bradley Beal piece. So it, it, the thing about Bradley Beal here, it, it, you th- you've got to believe that somewhere along this rehab, he's had some kind of setback, right? Because when this injury happened, and this is what we're talking, what um, was it, January thirteenth? Uh, February. I'm sorry, February yeah, yeah. 13th. It was right, right before Valentine's right, Day. February th- right before Valentine's Day. I'm only a month off. Bear with me. It's been a long week. <laughs> it's all 17 it's days a, ago. It's been a, right. So it, it, Two and a half weeks. It, but it was, right, it, it was never kind of couched as a two to three week timeline. But that's what it's been. No, again, we talked to Frank Vogel at the beginning of last week, mm-hmm. before they came back. And he was hopeful that he'd be back for the Dallas game. Yeah. And again, so there must have been a, some kind of setback, right? Had to have been. Mm-hmm. One of those full weeks, too, was the All-Star break. Yes. Where there weren't, like, heavy practices or anything, no. either. Yeah. So, uh, vote. I, go I, ahead. I'm Chris. just going to finish this, then you okay. can jump in. Um, and so, in real time, it might not feel like an issue, but what it feels like to me is that what are the odds that when we get into a, a playoff series and you get a and say the Suns win a, a first round playoff series, which really is starting to begin like it's going to be matchup dependent at this point mm-hmm. in terms of what their chances are going to be. If they get to a second round series and so now we're, say, 12, 13 games into a playoff run. What are the odds that these guys are going to stay intact? That's 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 a thing that I'm just like to win to win an NBA championship. You have to play for an additional two and a half months mm-hmm. to True. think that we're going to have the big three or the full roster for that entire time. I, I there's just nothing to prove that this season. Well, and to look at it this way too, to win a championship, you've got to win 16 games. You can also lose 12 games along those. If every series went seven games, you're talking about 28 potential basketball games. I think Bradley Beal's season high in consecutive games is is 15, and that coincided with health. Now, I will say this. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker mm-hmm. um, have seemingly shaken off what was, I mean... Second part of the year, for second sure. Second part of the year, certainly. Uh, the first part of the year, they were, they were susceptible to that nagging stuff, too, and would play two, miss one, play four, miss two. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I mean, Eric Gordon's longest stretch of basketball, too, is about 13 games I know. this year. Yeah, and and then so and that's that's kind of my worry here. And again, and I do think that um, the use of Nurkic, Grayson Allen, dev- evolving as fan favorites, I, I'm not sure I saw either of those things happening. No. Really? You know what I mean? Uh, to the point where Frank Vogel is begging Grayson Allen, shoot the ball more. Shoot the your percentage is such that I don't care if your percentage drops ten percentage yeah, points and keep shooting. Last night was a rare bad shooting yep. night. Sometimes he doesn't get a lot of attempts up, Grayson mm-hmm. Allen, but he'll usually make the majority of them. Last night to go two for nine, and there was one where things were getting a little hairy late in that game, and Grayson Allen had the single most open three pointer <laughs> from the corner in the history of open three point shots. Yeah. And he actually stood there, looked at it like a free throw, took a deep inhale and exhale, uh-huh. and then shot it and missed. <laughs> yes. And you're like, that's weird. That was weird. He's that's, been so good this so year on ca- shots So like confident that. on the catch and shoot, especially when he's open. But yeah. he's not. Here's the thing. He has been so good this year, and he's been very consistent. But he is not a superstar. So he is not going to be good 
All the time. No. And hey. the same with Nurkic, and the same, especially with a bull bull type Look, guy. But the book, uh, book and Durant are superstars, and they haven't been good all the time. Mm-hmm. Kevin Durant's not playing yeah. his best basketball no. right now. His last no. four games, yeah. shooting a lot of shots and not making a lot of shots. Uh, a couple things, I, points I want to bring up on Booker. Um, he finished with six three pointers again. <laughs> He had four. He can't get, yeah, he, can't get, <laughs> he can't get over the hump. Are you keeping a list of that? Video? What? I know you are. Here's uh, here's Devin Booker on never being able to get to seven threes <laughs> in the regular season. This is a crazy stat, but you have now hit six threes in twenty-five. That's why I shot that last one. <laughs> oh, do you remember the first time you hit six threes in a game? No. Nope. Rookie year, Indiana. Yeah. That might be my first 30-point game, I think. What, 32-point game? Yeah. 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 I mean, when you think about that stat, are you like, it's, it's got to happen sooner or later, or do you even? I mean, it's happening in the playoffs. Oh. So, I'll take it then. There is that. He has done it in the playoffs. Kellen Olsen took it a step further. And again, if you didn't hear Dwayne Rankin setting up the question, that was the 25th time in the regular season in Devin Booker's career he mm-hmm. hit six three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Never got more than that. I know. Kellen Olsen went a step further and said, in those 25 games, collectively, after reaching six three-pointers, Devin Booker going for seven is 0 for 37. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Is that not ridiculous? I read that this morning, and I was like, wow, Kellen's a nerd. And then I went, wow, what that's an amazing stat. What a great What an insightful one. <laughs> great basketball mind. But also on Devin Booker, I'm talking about, uh, maybe this is something we can circle around to, but he, you know, there was not fisticuffs. There was some, there was some tension. There was some static between him and Cam Whitmore last mm-hmm. night. And it was, you know, carried over from last Friday night's game. He acknowledged it. But I thought Devin Booker's response to it in both his television interview and his press conference was refreshing. He didn't take offense to it. He kind of said, this is bas- this is the way basketball should be. Mm-hmm. I think that's refreshing these days, don't you? I, I think Devin Booker was a little um, a little put back in the way Cam Whitmore came at him. But then he also and, remembered and I think he respected it. That's the kind of stuff I did. I think he respected it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's hardcore. That That's the Devin Booker that I love. Yeah. The hardcore Devin Booker. Coming yep. up next, we'll get back into the uh, NFL PA report cards. What does it mean in terms of challenges for Michael Bidwell and the Arizona Cardinals moving forward? Spickley and Murata mornings here on this Friday, live from the Akshan Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, it's Wolf. Which players are the Arizona Cardinals showing interest in at the NFL Combine? We'll give you names at 10 a.m. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Super important. I, I, I think it'll take a little bit of time, but I think we're going to make a, a big uh, step change this year in terms of working on. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've we've expanded our sales and service team dramatically, and so we're really focused on putting Cardinals fans in those seats. We can't exactly control what happens to those tickets because of the secondary market, um, but uh, we're we're really focused on getting Cardinals fans in those seats. Michael Bidwell, owner of the Arizona Cardinals, when he sat down with us last Friday for uh, Newsmakers Week on the final day of Newsmakers. Week, but talking about uh, mm. some of the changes he'd like to see happen, improving the home field advantage at State Farm Stadium. And, you know, part of that is organizational. A lot of that has to do with the quality of the football team yeah. on the field. But, you know, a uh, long list of challenges, tasks to do for the uh, Arizona Cardinals moving forward. And a lot of it stems from this year's release of the NFLPA report card, which 
once again did not paint the Arizona Cardinals in the brightest light. No. But certainly not as dim as last year's. Progress. So, yeah. so it was baby steps, and and, and you, you hope that it will continue in the years to come. Um, I, I find this to be more uh, to be really, really fascinating, and, and I've talked to a couple people about this, and this has really become a thing inside the NFL, um, something that the owners obviously cannot stand. As you might as you might imagine, you're giving their workers this anonymous platform and these reports. They're just full of gossip and, and innuendo and implications. And like, for instance, we talked yesterday, the Jacksonville Jaguars in their first report card. Um, apparently, there's a rat infestation mm-hmm. in their facility. And, and a dude told me that it was so bad that guys would go into the showers and like you, you, you drop a. A, a towel in the laundry hamper and rats would scurry out just right. But, but someone also told me, listen, Jacksonville's got a huge rat issue. So it's not like something that the Jaguars are like, Oh, you're disgusting. Uh, apparently if you live in Jacksonville, you've got roof rats and you've got Norway rats. You've got all sorts of issues. But the question then Norway becomes rats. Good name for a band. Yes. Nor- yes, it is, actually. <laughs> Norway rats. Um, but the question now becomes, okay, Michael Bidwell still has an F next to his name. That's the bottom line. And and so as an owner who at one point in time really had uh, a good thing going reputationally, right, took over for his dad. And again, the bar was very, very low. Bill Bidwell, great man, charitable man, very, very decent human being, just did not have the competitive fires, did not spend money, loved to battle agents more than he loved to battle opponents. And, and the results are what the results are. You uh, you answered the, uh, you did that tiebreaker. How many games did the Cardinals lose since moving to Arizona? Three. 343, I believe it no, was. No, I, th- I thought it was in the four. No, I thought it was, was in the fours. No, no, it was, no three, it was in the three. You were like, okay. Your guess was like 310, and mine okay. was like 329. And you nailed it, yeah. right? Well, okay. I, I was closer to the pin. Okay. You, which is <laughs> which is the only never time I'll ever again. Say, that, yeah, right. say that with you. Right. So, so I think that in, in the case of this, so Michael Bidwell comes in, and then he takes over, and he's hard-charging, and he's ambitious, and he clearly wants to win, and, and, and then he does. And then the Cardinals, and he gets a new stadium, and then the Cardinals go to the Super Bowl, and then the B.A. thing happens. And I remember any number of incidents along the way where players were injured, like Anquan Bolden in, in New York City, where, where Michael would basically fly these guys. If they were too injured and they yeah. needed to go to a hospital, he'd stick around and fly him back. So he had a reputation as a player's owner. This NFL report card comes out, and now things have kind of slipped. For the Cardinals. Now, you can make an argument that they're getting better, and I think that's where we're at right now. So this isn't something like it was last year or at the end of the Cliff Kingsbury BA thing. Things are going in the right direction. Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ford are proof. Right. If you have confidence in Jonathan Gannon as, and Monty Ford as a Cardinal fan, then you should have confidence that Michael Bidwell is trying to right some wrongs. Yes. And um, I, I think it is interesting because you, you, you illustrated it perfectly that that wave of relevancy and competence was they rode that wave for a they long did. time from 2006 when the stadium opened. Through 2009 mm-hmm. and then even extending to the first few years, yeah. the first three years of the B.A. era. So we're talking about a 10-year run from 2006 to 2015. It was going well. And I'll, say, yeah. I'll say this, though. Yeah. 2022, the Arizona Cardinals moved here in 1988, and there's been a lot of downs. There's been a lot of dark periods. 
2022 was, I think, the low point in franchise history. For a number of reasons. Mm -hmm. On field, the dysfunction in the coaching staff, the dysfunction in the front office. The uh, Terry McDonough allegations. The Terry McDonough allegations. All these allegations Mm -hmm. from ESPN about workplace culture, all Mm -hmm. of those things. And so, look, (laughs) there's only one... Way you can go if you're the Cardinals, and that's up because you care. It's about yeah, if you care, that's right. right. You could go full Dan Snyder and not care and just remain in the cellar, right? And get on a yacht so they can't serve you a subpoena and all that good stuff. Uh, All right, so Nick Court or Nick Cordy is an NFL reporter. He's he's getting some love this morning because he did something ingenious, and that is he separated the ownership grades in the NFL based on whether you purchased your team or whether you inherited your team. Hmm. And and there's, uh, I won't say it's a direct correlation, but it's probably not uh, an accident that the lowest four grades of owners are all people who inherited their football <laughs> team. Tampa got a D minus, inherited. Cardinals, F, inherited. Steelers, F, inherited. And Chiefs, F, inherited. In fact, uh, apparently, it, 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 if you talk to people, that you, no love for Clark Hunt whatsoever. Okay, so, so the question then becomes, well, what does that exactly mean? Does that mean that if you purchased your team, you're probably um, more of a builder, more of a successful dude yes. by nature? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What crippled the Cardinals before Michael Bidwell took over? The fact that they bought the franchise for what was it, forty grand in the twenties? <laughs> yes. And they didn't have another. Uh-huh. Bi- I mean, the family business was football, mm-hmm. and they weren't generating a lot of revenue. Right. So that's right. These guys that came into the league late, they've got yeah. more money than you can actually fathom. At the very top of these ownership grades, Dolphins A plus purchased, Vikings A plus. Purchased. Ravens, A. Purchased. Broncos, A. Purchased. Packers, don't apply. Owned by the people. Jacksonville Jaguars, A. Purchased. Eagles, A. Purchased. Falcons, A. Minus. Purchased. Bills, A. Minus. Purchased. Now, it, now there are some purchased uh, franchises that don't fare well. No. David Tepper. It, there's, so there's ones that are, are, are don't get good grades. And he's got money coming out of... Exactly. Robert Kraft, everywhere. D+. So it's not a... It's not a, a cause and effect kind of thing, but using a GPA sta- scale, um, teams that were directly purchased got a, th- when you average out every score, teams that were purchased by somebody got a B grade, 3.18 GPA, the inheritors C grade, 2.2. So there is an effect here because if you inherit the football team, yeah, you, your perspective is a little bit different. Look, you know what the goal is of this this survey. It's to put pressure on the owners to improve conditions for Mm -hmm. the rank and file of the Players Association. I'm going to ask a really naive question here. Yeah. Because what you just pointed out, and we talked about this right when the, the survey came out, these results do not align with the results that these teams have on the football field. The Kansas City Chiefs have won two consecutive Super Bowls. They've won three very recently. They get horrible grades. Mm -hmm. Is this just a shaming exercise? Because does this need to be public? These results could be just forwarded to the the owners and the staff, uh, the high up uh, of of every front office, and and it might spur change. Which is why the owners and the establishment can't stand this exercise, because this does not need to be aired. That that's exactly what this happens to be. Mm-hmm. 
And and then there's, as I said earlier, there's also a school of thought that if you're the Dolphins and you're being fed like kings, then that's why the Dolphins get an A+. Plus. Apparently, they're nutritionists and their food service and their training table. Apparently, it is just off the chain incredible. And, and apparently, their team facility is really close to South Beach. <laughs> somehow, nice. Shocking. Right. Somehow, no rats. In, uh, and no rats yeah, there. No in rats. that part of Florida. Uh, <laughs> Rat-free Florida. Rat-free. Yeah, you go. That's a good name for a band. Coming to- that's <laughs> a campaign right there. Yeah. Donate for a rat-free Florida. Florida. (laughs) (laughs) I approve this message. We'll continue to talk football. Longtime Valley sports writer Kent Summers joins us straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Friday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports. Continuing to talk football with our next guest, longtime Valley sports writer and columnist, Kent Summers, joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Kent, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. How are Kent. you? Good. And we have it's to, happening. We have to wish you a congratulations from the show and the station here, uh, being honored as a distinguished Arizonan oh. by the Valley of the Sun chapter nice. of the National Football nice. Foundation. Does this yeah. does this yeah, involve making a speech? Does this involve very, making a speech? Uh, very cool and unexpected honor. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. Do you have to make a speech at this thing? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Ken's actually very good at public like, speaking. I've seen him do it many times, so that won't be an issue. But you're very distinguished, Kent, and very, very well done. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's uh, like I said, it's very unexpected and a. And a nice thing. Very well done. All right, so uh, if you're Michael Bidwell, if you're the Cardinals, how concerned are you about the latest report card from the NFLPA? What do you think it means? Well, it, I, I'd be I'd be concerned. Um, you know, I do I do think they took steps, and there was some improvement over last year, although there was nowhere to go but up from that. But I, you know, I think if you're Michael Bidwell, that would concern you that you're getting another F, although you have pretty good company when, you know, chief's owner Clark Hunt is also getting it and and F, you know, and, and they've won back to back super bowls. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, you, you, you uh, learn from it and I would take it to heart thing and thinking, you know, we can make things better and, and we can do some stuff that doesn't cost us, a ton of money to make it better for our players. And I, I think the concern is, you know, as you enter free agency, if all, if the money is equal, you know, is a player going to choose somewhere else based on, you know, based on these ratings and what, what uh, current players think of the owner. Yeah. It's interesting too, Kent, because the scope of the grades that were given to ownership in this survey have to do with the owner's perceived willingness to spend more for, for improvements uh, for facilities. And I asked Bick this question, um, and I don't know the answer to it, but I'd love to get your perspective. As somebody who spent as much time as you did in the Cardinals facility, which opened up, if memory serves, late 80s, early 90s, um, and we saw the jump that the Jacksonville Jaguars made in these NFLPA grades. They opened up a new facility. They went from an F to, I, I don't know what their final grade was, but it was much improved. Do you think it's time that the, the Cardinals, Michael Bidwell, look at maybe a new, updated, and more competitive facility? They, they certainly have to look at it. I think they're looking at their, their current facility and, and, and making upgrades. I mean, they recently moved the business operations mm-hmm. to a, you know another building near that, that place in South 
Tempe. Um, they've made upgrades to the weight room. I think, you know, last year, Michael Bidwell, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he had to be a little bit puzzled, you know, because he's thinking, God, I just spent millions and upgrading this facility, you know, six or seven years ago, adding a cafeteria, adding, you know, a cafeteria staff, starting to serve meals instead of having things catered and redoing the locker room, et cetera. And, and maybe I didn't do uh, enough. And I, I think part of the problem is, you know, maybe they didn't get enough feedback from players, you know, before all this happened, yeah. that the Cardinals, you know, maybe didn't ask incoming players from other teams saying, hey, what, what's the rest of the league doing? What, what do other facilities look like? How can we be, you know, how can we keep uh, and continue being competitive at, at least in, in this way? And, you know, and that's, that's what I think would, would hurt is, is it as you enter free agency, you know, you know, is this another mark against the team? Are they going to have to overpay to get mm. guys to come to Arizona? Right. You know, partly because of this. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, um, so clearly, building through the draft is going to be the the primary function here. Where are you at on what the Cardinals should do it for if we get quarterback, quarterback, quarterback one, two, and three? It's a great, great question. I, I, I certainly think they've, they've got to listen to offers and, and be open to, hey, if, if somebody wants to come up and, and give me a lot for trading down just a few spots, then I would do that. I mean, I, I wouldn't move out of – I wouldn't be anxious to move out of the top ten if, if I were them. I mean, I think they have too many needs, and certainly they could use a difference maker at almost every position on, on that team, you know, from offensive line to receiver to anywhere on, on the defense. But I would certainly be open to it if you can start stacking draft picks uh, again. But I wouldn't move down too far. I, I think they, they have needs for great players and difference makers. And, you know, I'd, I'd hate to see them move down to, you know, past 15 uh, in this draft, unless they just got an incredible haul of, of players, but you know, also tempting just to stick there. If you really think Marvin Harrison is a generational receiver, you know, and a future Hall of Famer, you know, that's pretty difficult to pass on too. Yeah, Ken Summers, longtime Valley sports writer, our guest here on uh, the Arizona Sports Line. Obviously, the, the Cardinals are in position through draft picks, thirteen draft picks, seven of the top one hundred and five. They can improve the roster that way. They've got some cap space. There seems to be some speculation on maybe freeing up more cap space at this time of the year. Uh, and one of the names at the top of that list is a possibility, Kent, of course, is, is DJ Humphreys, the left tackle who spent his entire career here. He's currently injured. They got rid of uh, DJ Humphreys. They could uh, free up $9 million more approximately uh, of cap space. Do you think that would be a prudent move for the Cardinals if they go down that road? Well, you know, he's not going to be available until at least midseason. And, I, you know, if this is the case, you know, part of me feels bad for DJ Humphreys. I mean, it's it's awful timing and it's why, you know, in contract negotiations and when it comes time to get paid, I'm almost always on the player side versus the owner side, because especially in the NFL, because it's just a cold blooded business. The other side of me thinks, you know, DJ Humphreys is a, is still a young man. He could go to another team and eventually get a third big contract by the time he's in his early thirties. So, you know, part of me is like, okay, don't feel too sorry for, DJ Humphreys, you know, that the thing is, <clears throat> if, if they keep him, you know, then they're going to have to re-sign him and look ahead and, and yeah. answer the question, you know, is this guy really your, your left tackle beyond 2024? And the answer is, is probably not. I mean, they, they drafted Paris Johnson 
for a reason. They'll probably flip him over to the left side and go and find a, a right tackle, or maybe that right tackle is already there in and, and Kelvin Beecham. But, yeah, wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all. It's certainly a move they don't have to make. I mean, they're not up against the cap. Sure. Uh, they've got plenty of money to go and sign free agents, et cetera. But I think it's it's probably, you just look at the, the start numbers, it's probably a move they'll make here pretty soon, I would think. All right, we know Kyler Murray checked a lot of boxes coming back from major knee surgery, looked pretty good in a, a limited portion of the schedule near the end of the year. Kurt Warner, among others, still not totally convinced he's capable of being that guy, that franchise quarterback who can win you a Super Bowl. If you were the GM of this team, how comfortable would you be in Kyler Murray? What do you think he has to do to be that guy? I'd, I'd be I'd be comfortable with, with Kyler Murray. I don't think I could sit here and say, hey, this this guy can can you know win us a Super Bowl. I think I would still want to see him um, you know a, a, a full season under Jonathan Gannon and Drew Petzing, you know, in, in this offense, in this system and put a full season of work behind him. But yeah, I, I think there was enough improvement last year in the eight games he played, especially, you know, from, you know, mid December on the last three or four games. I, I, I saw, I think we saw what he could do in this offense. And I, I just like the whole, the whole vibe between Kyler Murray and and the franchise, you know, we saw a buy-in from from Kyler Murray. We saw a buy-in from Jonathan Gannon and his staff. You know, they they put all of the acrimony of the previous year behind them, and both sides moved on. And you know, you'd hate to just see that go away. You know, um, in, in you know in in half a season, I would like to see him play. You know, a full season in this offense. That's what I would want to see if I'm Monty Awesome for it mm-hmm. and and Jonathan Gannon. But I, yeah, I, I I do. I I I like what Kyler Murray's done. I like that he's you know in Arizona almost full time now. That his teammates see him in and around the facility instead of you know at home training in Dallas for most of the off season as he did. Uh, early in his career. Yep. Kent, great stuff. Thanks so much for joining Congrats, us today. Bro. And again, congratulations on the honor from the NFF. We appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Kent Summers, longtime Valley sports writer, columnist. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, Caleb Williams making waves at the NFL Combine, but answering about those waves he's making this morning. We'll tell you what the top prospect had to say next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Scambo between Devin Booker, Corbin Carroll, and Kyler Murray. How many championships will be won by the time all three of their careers are done? It's the Burns and Gambo show, two to six on Arizona Sports. I'm sorry. That's the most, <laughs> that's the most Gambo look ahead ever. Between Devin, Devin Booker, Booker, Corbin Carroll, Booker. and Kyler Murray. <laughs> oh, not for one. nothing. Yeah. That was a bu- That was as Gambo as Gambo gets. <laughs> I didn't want to start the yes segment with that, but I just couldn't resist. Well, you did. Anywho. That's all uh, right. NFL- we go everywhere, Vinny. Yes, we do. Hey, it's Gambo. Bet- <laughs> hey, it's Gambo. Between Devin Booker, Corbin Carroll, and Kyler Murray. That's fantastic. <laughs> Devin Booker, <laughs> Corbin Carroll, <laughs> Kyler Murray. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, the NFL Combine continuing in Indianapolis this morning. The quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs meeting with the media, but tomorrow they'll be on the field doing their workouts. A lot of the big names uh, at both uh, several positions not participating in the workouts among them. 
uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., who apparently, did we find out, is he there? He is there. He's having a full body scan. Yeah, he's there getting medical stuff done, but so he, he just kind of blew off his press conference. Didn't want to talk to the media, I guess. Uh, I guess. Caleb Williams talked to the media today. The big story about Caleb Williams, the uh, presumed number one overall pick, quarterback out of USC, was that he was declining medical testing at the Combine. Why is that, Caleb? I'm going to make you wait. Yeah, so for the medical stuff, I'll be doing the medical stuff, just not here in Indy. I'll be doing it at the team interviews. Um, you know, not 32 teams can draft me. Uh, there's only one of me. Um, and so uh, the teams that I go to for my visit, um, you know, those teams will have the, the medical, and, and, and that'll be it. Um, all right, I get that, kind of. But wouldn't you rather just subject yourself to medical testing once as opposed to numerous times at the whims of <laughs> I guess, potential yeah. employers? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But on the other side, we don't even know how many teams he's going to meet with for the private workouts and private interviews. He might only do one. Yeah, yeah. listen, I, I, I think they are doing everything they can to kind of get the Bears off their trail. Well, he was also asked about that today. Mm-hmm. Would you be excited to play for the Chicago Bears? Bears. I mean, the Bears uh, was an eight and nine team last year, um, I believe, and uh, seven and seven to ten. Sorry, and and um, you know that's that's pretty good for a team that has the first pick. Um, and and they got a good defense. Um, they got good players on offense. Um, and and you know it's, it's pretty exciting. You know if you can go into a situation like that. Well, he finally answered it at the end. Yeah, and that's not didn't exactly sell that very hard, did he? I think Caleb Williams is going to, going to leave Indianapolis and just start looking for uh, real estate in Chicago after that convincing answer. Well, it, again, I, I don't know why why the Commanders would be um, a much better deal unless their new owner sat down with you and your people and your dad and made it clear that we're not the Bears. Because really, I mean. Yeah, what, what, first of all, what's their history of great quarterbacks in that franchise? Jay Schrader. Joe Theismann. Mark Doug, Rippin, Doug Williams, Billy Kilmer. Look, their uh, quarter, Sonny Jurgensen, her cousins. <laughs> their quarterback uh, history mm-hmm. is light years ahead of the Chicago Bears' history. But I mean, we can't we can't eliminate the fact that that's home for him. He's a DC kid. And, okay, maybe that's maybe that's it. Okay, as, as silly as it seems to us in Phoenix, Arizona, the Cliff Kingsbury influence might. Hold some water there. Yeah. You saw Caleb Williams' response when Cliff Kingsbury got the offensive coordinator. My dog. Yes, my dog. Oof. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need you to come in on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, listen, I, I don't know what he's doing, but but it really does seem to me like that's that he doesn't want Chicago. Yeah, you can do these. You can say things. Mm-hmm. And you can do things. Exactly. And actions speak louder than words. I would suggest people, if you want to get up to speed on on the Caleb Williams experience and how his father ties into all of it. I mean, they're trying to change the way business is done in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And he is a talented player, but he's also accomplished nothing in the league, which can humble you. And we've seen a lot of very talented players get mm-hmm. humbled by life in the NFL. Indeed. I... Look, I'm speaking for myself. If I'm the Chicago Bears and I know I'm a quarterback needy franchise and I'm looking for that first guy that can be the guy uh, at that position in my franchise history, but I'm 
probably a little turned off by now. And I don't even, I mean, that's what, that's me saying it without having complete full knowledge of what the Bears' dealings with Carl Williams is. Because apparently <laughs> the dude is difficult. Uh-huh. Yeah. Again, if he's eyeing a piece of ownership, good luck with that. This has got LeVar Ball written all over it, and and you've just got to ask yourself: is the, is he just is he is he role playing here? Is he cosplaying here as LeVar Ball just to kind of get his son to uh, the Commanders? Well, without not without public about it, right? And and now there's other ways to do it. I mean, you can you can just inform the Bears quietly, and, and but but maybe they're trying to get best of both worlds. Maybe they're trying to get the Bears off that trail without having the commanders to sacrifice a lot of draft capital in the process. So that's 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 your cake and eating it too. So so I guess if you're the Bears and and you know Dan Patrick threw this question out there, if you're the Bears and you're getting these signals from Caleb Williams, and if you could trade and get like a couple second rounders with two a couple second rounders and Jaden Daniels be a better idea than Caleb Williams? I don't know. I I mean Jaden yeah. Daniels is a pretty uh Involved parent himself, so uh, yes, yes, that is very, very true. So, and again, I, I think that if you're an NFL franchise, you can get yourself into a world of trouble if if you don't if you don't have a guy, if you don't have a real clear picture of who that guy is. Oh, I could take that. I'll make that one work. That it that that doesn't work. So, but but then again, the Bears. I mean, they're the franchise that you know traded up for Mitchell Trubisky. Oy. It's a desperate franchise. Yeah, It's not saying they haven't tried to do things at the quarterback position, and they just haven't worked out. Um, what do you think of, uh, there seems to be some bubbling speculation that maybe Jaden Daniels would like to orchestrate his way to Las Vegas to play for Antonio Pierce. Obviously, they have a relationship from their days at Arizona State. Uh, in fact, they may have been uh, they may have been equally involved in some recruit- oh <laughs> recruiting boy. situations. Oh boy! <laughs> that, see now that makes sense to me a little bit. What do the Raiders have? Seven? Is that where they're picking? Uh huh. They yeah, obviously that makes have, sense to me. Obviously, have to move up to at least probably number two to get him. And I don't see Washington moving out of number two. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. Yeah. I hear you. Um, just Jaden Daniels is the third selection overall. I'm still having a hard time reconciling that. I really am. Uh, you know, listen, and we played those Dan Orlovsky cuts, and and that kind of prompted me earlier to go. Here we go again, because now now we've got guys talking about. This dude who was way outside the top three not that long ago, then came his Heisman Trophy, and now they're breaking it down. They're going, oh, look. And and again, I'm not saying they're wrong because you think of conventional wisdom last year at this point in time. Nobody was saying C.J. Stroud could be better than Bryce Young. At least nobody I heard. Not If they were talking about it, it wasn't yeah. very loud. Yeah. And Dan Orlovsky's a pretty sharp guy. But, but sometimes, it, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but why are you having trouble reconciling Jaden Daniels going that high? Because you saw Jaden Daniels play for three years at ASU. It's not. It's more than that. It's just. It's the body size, the body type. That's mm. that's where I look at and go. I don't know if a dude like that is built to last. Again, if you're drafted a guy that's made a mark as a dual threat guy, you immediately you, you immediately got to check your logic because this is the NFL. The only dual threat guys that last in the NFL have got some some size to them. 
that can take those collisions, and even that's not a good idea. What are you saying about Kyler Murray then? Well, I, I don't think I don't think Kyler Murray is necessarily a dual threat guy in in that strict strictest sense of the world. He doesn't run and run into people like Josh yeah, Allen does. That's true. And he's at least thick relative to that's his right. size. No, you're right. You're he's exactly built right. relative to his height. You're exactly right. Would you Shane Daniels have, is. Would you rather have a quarterback who's got height and is skinny, or a thick short guy? Oh, I, neither. Social studies with Sarah Gazelle is in the on-deck circle here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.